there's an exodus to the left of you. Somebody pressing through, hoping that they make it through. There's an exodus to the right of you. Somebody fighting through, hoping they see light soon. There's an exodus right in front of you. Don't let the spotlight fool you. Don't let a hot mic fool you. I'm just being real. There's an exodus right in front of you. I'm just being set free from the life I thought I wanted. So can you. There's an exodus right in front of you. I'm so grateful for the home. I'm coming. Searching for Just like us, the only difference is chains look different in our day, but the effect is the same. And you remember the name, the pharaohs, red seas, and the plagues, and I remember the pain of trying to live life in a cage. I wasn't supposed to make it out. Out of fear, out of doubt, out of having to figure it out, but God freed his people. We're about to read about it. God's freeing his people in this building right now. I'm being real. There's an exodus right in front of you. right in front of you. If I could be set free from the life I thought I wanted, so can you. Get over here, man. Get over here, dude. Get over here. Hey, this is Mike Harris. It's my buddy. He was in my youth group in Illinois. And, uh, let me be honest, at the time, I don't think he really loved Jesus. Is that okay to say? It's all right to say. It's all right, it's to, all right say. to say. His parents made him come to church, and uh, as his youth minister, I got to hang out with him, shoot hoops, and uh, I'll be honest, there's sometimes in ministry uh, where you're going, I'm loving and I'm praying for kids, but God, only you can set them free. I'm doing everything I can do, but I can't save this kid. And uh, we, we counted it, and it'll be 10 years uh, this year was the last time we got to hang out. And now he is leading his family to know Jesus in Nashville, and he is writing spoken word for the church. And, uh, man, I love you, buddy. So grateful for sharing. 
I tell you, this is, uh, when we were coming up with this series idea, he and I always joked, I'm like, man, I got to get you up here. I got to have you share your talents with the church. And, uh, and this is the beauty of the church, uh, that you and I, we all bring a story into this place. And in all of our stories in this place is that we've all run away from God. Uh, that's the good news of what all of us have in common in this place. That's what actually makes church such a, should make church such a welcoming place, is all of us have this story. And all of us have this story of going, I'm trying to find home, but I'm not sure what home is. And I love this about Mike, and I love this about the series that we're in, is we're going to spend the next couple of weeks in the book of Exodus, because God is passionate about bringing his family home. That's why we're calling this whole series Road Trip, because there is a trip of faith that God is calling you on, that he's, he's calling me on. He's going, Nate, I want you to come home to my way. I know for some of you, we talk about it when summer gets here. We all say this, I'm trying to find my happy place. You know, it's summer. My happy place is at the lake. I got a text from my buddy and he said, hey, praying for you. I'm down here at Disney World. You know, and he said, the happiest place on earth. And I'm like, I'd beg to differ. But you know, and that's just kind of up to opinions. And we go, man, this is what the summer's all about. And, and I want to encourage you this summer to kind of find a different place, a pace and to find a different place. One of my favorite quotes by Mark Batterson, I'll never forget it. He says this, when it comes to summer, when it comes to our heart, he says this, you need a different place and a different pace so you can get a different perspective. And there's a beauty about summer. There's a joy about summer that we kind of slow down. School slows down. We make a little bit more room in our life. We have a little bit more time to kind of hang out. Bedtime gets a little bit more extended. You know, I'm trying to stay on bedtime, but I'm putting my kid to bed at 7 o'clock, and it's like noon with the light coming in, you know. And I'm like, you're 18 months old. Just go to bed, you know. And, and this is what I'm finding is this is just this whole summertime. It's good for us to slow down. Because oftentimes when we slow down, we begin to reflect and we begin to remember what is actually really important. And our souls find a different pace. I know I'll talk to some people and uh, they go, man, Nate, I'm sorry, I've been missing church. I'll miss church because of summer and this and that. And I know we're going to be a little bit sporadic. Matter of fact, I've got a steady break coming up later this month where I'll take a couple weekends, not necessarily off. I'll take one with vacation with my family. Uh, but there will be some times where I'll be doing some leadership retreats. And it's hard to do a lot of vision and planning and sermon prep at the same time. And it's just good for all of us just to be able to back up a little bit. What you'll learn about is this, work is a gift that God has given you. Your family is a gift. But I got to let you know, you are made for more than just work. You're made for God. Matter of fact, this is one of my favorite quotes. Listen to what it says. It is from St. Augustine. And listen to what he says about this. I find this so fascinating. It really sets the tone for us as we talk about finding our way home through the book of Exodus. Listen to what he says. He says that you have made us for yourself, O Lord. You've made us for yourself. And our heart, I find this so good, our heart is restless until it rests in you. Man, for you this summer, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, but if your heart is not at rest, you need to know your heart is called to be at rest in God. That God is saying, I want you to come home. I want you to find your home in me. And one of my favorite questions is this. It was from the author Josh Butler. He asked this question. He said, the question for you and I, when we find our hearts at home in God is not, will you find God, but will you let God find you? 
See, when we ask the other question, will you go find God, sometimes we feel like we're inadequate. I I don't have the IQ to understand God. I don't have the wisdom to understand God. I didn't go to Sunday school to understand God. I don't know. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And he climbed up a sycamore tree. Some of you are like, what in the world? I grew up knowing that, right? I grew up knowing all these songs, and I grew up knowing all these scriptures in church. And some of you are going, I don't know those songs, and I don't know the verse. I don't even know where to turn in the Bible. And God's going, it's not will you find me, it's will you let me find you. Matter of fact, this is what we'll find here in the book of Exodus is God is wanting to find his people because they are facing oppression. And God is going, I am calling you home. And the tension for you and I in this series that God is going to bring about in your life is this. He is going to call you out of the things that you are making home outside of him. Because God's saying your heart won't thrive, your life won't come alive as I can make you come alive unless you find your home in me. And so each week we're going to be looking at the story, God's narrative of drawing his people home. And this is the big thing. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. What we need to understand this, if we are going to go on this road trip with God this summer, if we are going to find ourselves at home with him, the first thing we have to do is this. We have to unpack our bags. Now, some of you are going, no, Nate, that, that, that's backwards, right? If you're going to go on a road trip, you better pack your bags, right? And depending upon what airline you fly, they charge you for like your carry-on. There's one airline, if you want to breathe on their airline, that's going to be five bucks, right? You know, it's like if you want to bring shoes, that's 10, right? There's different places. So you try to like, you know, take as little as you can. And when we go on our road trips, we're trying to pack our bags. We're trying to pack everything in. And God says, if you want to go on the road trip with me, if you want to find yourself at home with me, it starts by you unpacking your bags. Every one of us in this room, we all carry baggage, don't we? We carry baggage. And God goes, if you want to find yourself at home, if you want to find yourself free, you have to unpack your bags. See, this is what's so scary about faith, right? Because we go, man, if I begin to unpack my bags, what's God going to think about it? What's God going to say to me about this. Matter of fact, isn't this true? This is why a lot of times we don't have people over to our house because we have to actually let people see our house. And we're like, let's just meet at the coffee shop. Let's just do group on the patio, right? Let's do picnic on the patio. We'll do our small group after there. That way nobody has to see where I live. Nobody has to step into my house. Nobody has to see Everything I'm embarrassed of. I won't make you raise your hands, but you know who you are, right? Matter of fact, that's our mad dash. We host our life group on every Thursday night, man, and we are just shoving things into closets and under the couch. You know, we're throwing in our kids' room. Like, that's not mine. Like, we don't care. Group's coming over. We have to look like we have our act together, you know? We're just throwing stuff everywhere. And that's what we do. And God goes, no, that's not the way I've called you to live. What I want you to do, and if you want to find your heart at home, it's not that you need to pack your bags. It's that you need to be willing to unpack your bags. Matter of fact, if you open up the Bible to Exodus chapter 1, a lot of times when we start thinking about Exodus, we always think about Moses. And actually, Exodus doesn't start with Moses. It starts with a whole new tension. There's a whole new landscape that's happening in the life of God's people in Exodus. This is what it says in Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. 
It says this, it says, Then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. If you don't know the story, just a chapter before in Genesis chapter 50, this is what happened. God saved his people. There was a whole drought, a famine was happening, and God sent Joseph, even though it was through his brothers selling him into slavery, sent him ahead to Egypt to save God's people. Well, now here's what's happened. A new regime has come in, and they don't know anything about Joseph anymore. They don't know anything about God's people anymore. What was once home now actually doesn't become home for God's people. Listen what it says. Verse 9, look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become much too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. It's amazing what happens when we lose our sense of home. This is the tension of what's happening. This new Pharaoh, all he's doing is oppressing these people. And what he's really, what's really happening here is he's full of fear. He's going, what about all these Israelites and they might overtake me? And this is what happens. Fear begins to make us do some crazy things, doesn't it? You know, matter of fact, we see this passage and we go, they dealt ruthlessly with them and they be put slave masters over them. And we kind of go, yeah, but that was then. What's interesting in my life group is we have a, a professor at U of L. Uh, she's in our life group and uh, she's in the school of nursing. And what she does, this is amazing. She takes a bunch of students. She'll even take law students, different students from different uh, departments from the school. And she'll take them to different countries to go help the countries and help broaden their understanding. Well, a couple weeks ago, she went to Ghana, and she went into Ghana to help do education, to help do nursing. She brought law students over, and she sent our group this picture, and it gave me a whole definition. She sent this picture back to me, back to us, all of our group me, and I, I didn't recognize this. And then I began to read her information. This is in the Elmina Castle in Bantoma, Ghana. And this is where the transatlantic slave trade took place. This was the room where African slaves were last placed before they were boarded onto a boat and shipped out of Africa. She said it had a feeling of Auschwitz all over the place. She said the students that she was with there, they couldn't even come up with words. To sit here in this room that experienced the darkness and the evil of this slave trade, ripping people out of their home to never get to return. This is what was happening to God's people. This is what this new Pharaoh decided to do. This is what we need to understand is that we follow our fear. This is why it's so important for you and I to come home to the Lord because we will follow the fear in our life, don't we? You begin to step back for a moment and you realize you make decisions a lot of times based on 
fear. I was thinking about my grandpa today. Today is his birthday, and this will be the first birthday that we don't have him with us. This is my mom's dad. And I was beginning to think about him this week as I knew this day was coming. And I was thinking about this stuff, and I was embarrassed with one of my stories because one of the most uh, times I was most afraid in my life uh, was when I was around him. I think I was about four, and it was because he wanted me to go swimming in his pool, and I would never do it because there was a deep end to his in-ground pool. Anybody remember being afraid of the deep end as a kid, man? And I, and I said this, I was reflecting on this, but next to the pool, he had an in-ground hot tub. And I I said this to my grandpa. I said, Grandpa, why can't you just put the diving board into the hot tub? And I'm sure he went, what kind of grandson do I have, right? You're so afraid of the deep end. I wouldn't go in the deep end. I, did, I didn't care. He was out there swimming. And I remember this. I follow my fear. My fear was of the deep end, so I'm not going there. And what we find when we open the book of Exodus is this new Pharaoh, he is totally afraid of what could happen. See, oftentimes we don't realize how much we're making decisions in our life solely out of fear, not out of faith. We're just totally afraid. That's why he says this, if war breaks out, do you realize the Israelites never came to him and said, we're going to attack you? They didn't say that. If war breaks out, so we better oppress them. We better put slave masters over them. But see, when you begin to read the book of Exodus, what you begin to find is this. You will either live out of fear or you will live out of faith. Doesn't mean that you and I won't be afraid of things in this life. But God is saying, I didn't call you to live out of fear. I've called you to live out of faith. What's incredible is this. The faith, uh, before we even get to Moses, uh, Pharaoh goes to the Hebrew midwives and he says this. Hey, every male born Hebrew that now comes up, he says, Kill them. Kill them. We're, 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 we're siphoning off the Israelite nation. This is the type of the oppression that Exodus starts with. I, I mean, I invite you to read this book of Exodus. You will find God working in incredible ways. And listen to what happens in verse 17. He tells the midwives this, and listen what the midwives do. It said, the midwives, however, and I love this line, they feared God and did not do what the new king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. See, this is a good word and good direction for us. Because we will continue to feel this pressure as Christians today to go, what are we supposed to do in this world? And the greatest thing we need to do is to fear the Lord more than anything else. And it said, then, then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? And listen what they said. Said the midwives answered Pharaoh, the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives can arrive. I love that sense of humor. They're like, our women are stronger than your women. You know, we're here to show up. Oh, and, and you don't know if they're lying or you don't know if they're kind of pulling this leg or what's kind of going on. But they're going, hey, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to follow that. And you know why they chose that? Because they chose not to live out of fear, but out of what? Faith. It didn't mean that their life wasn't on the line, but what they were determined to was this. They said, my home is with God. My life is with God. God, that is who I'm with. Matter of fact, this is what Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says. If you want to have a life of wisdom, if you want to live the way of God, listen to what it says. I love this. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. It says that the fear of the Lord 
is the beginning of what? Knowledge. Not that you and I have to have this knowledge. Not that you and I have to have everything figured out. All it is this, for you and I is to fear the Lord. And it doesn't mean we just walk around waiting for his lightning bolts. To fear God simply means this, to live in awe of him. Just to live in awe. See, this is what this summertime is for. A lot of times we'll do this, right? We'll sit on kind of our back deck or we'll sit on the, on the back patio at our lake house or we'll go somewhere, a beach or something, and you'll just sit there and you'll look at the water, won't you? And people go, what are you looking at? The water. Well, how long can you do that? A long time, right? You're like, I can sit here for a long time. Time And you know what you're doing when you're doing that? You're just sitting in awe, aren't you? You're just sitting in awe. Look at that wave. Just keep coming in. Man, look at that lake. It looks like glass. And what you're doing is this. You're sitting in awe. See, when you and I want to find our way home, we feel like we have to be our own GPS. You ever got yourself lost before? And then you feel like you'll get yourself where you need to go until you finally have an argument with someone in your car and you go, well, you just pull over. And we just, we don't want to admit it. We don't want to admit it when we're lost. We don't want to admit when we don't know where we're going. And I love that the Hebrew midwives, it said about them, they feared God. They feared God. God. And what's incredible is this, as you continue to read on about the birth of Moses, it all starts with this place of coming home and of allowing God to be the one who is making himself home. And before you even get in the story of Moses, it wasn't just that Moses came along, it was that his parents feared the Lord. They were under the calling that if they had a boy, they were to kill it. The, the rule changed and it said you were supposed to check. I mean, this is, this is the demonic stuff. They were just supposed to drown their baby in the Nile River if you were a Hebrew Israelite. That was the call. If you had a boy, you were supposed to throw him in the river. And his parents, they don't do that. They build a basket and they put Moses in the basket because they said, Pharaoh, we're not going to live in fear of you. We're going to live in fear of the Lord. He is our home. He is our guide. We're not trying to figure this out. God, we're just simply following you. You are telling us what is going to happen. And listen to what it says about Moses' parents. We hear about Moses all the time. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 says about Moses' parents. I love this. It says, by faith, not by fear, but by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. And here it was, you ready? And they were not afraid of the king's edict. They were not afraid. Their life was on the line. And they said, we're not afraid. We're not afraid. Because we fear the Lord more than we fear anything else. And our hearts and our lives are at home because we fear the Lord more than we fear anything else. I've got a question to ask you. Maybe you ask yourself this question over the summertime that we have. What are you fearing right now in your life more than the Lord? Might be a question for you to wrestle with this summer. Because God is saying, I want to make my life 
at home in your fear. And I'm not expecting you to have one prayer and presto, it's all gone and there's no more problems and there's no more fear. No matter of fact, God is saying that's not how it works. It's about you and I pursuing him and allowing him to take home and residency in our life. The whole story of Exodus is God making himself home with his people. So now we finally get to Moses. And listen what happens in Moses. I love this. The whole scenario with Moses, if you don't know the story, is fascinating. They hide him in this basket. And what they do is they see when Pharaoh's daughter goes to the Nile to bathe, they push Moses as a basket down the river and he bumps in to Pharaoh's daughter. They're going, check this out. We're going to fool her. This is going to be awesome. And listen what it says in verse 7. She picks him up. She says, this is one of those Hebrew babies. And it said, then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? They're going, hey, let me go help you. If you like this baby, this Moses baby, talking to Pharaoh's daughter, let me go get one of the Hebrew ladies to nurse him for you. She says, yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby, nurse him for me, and I will pay you. Isn't it fascinating when God goes, when you fear me more than anything else, I'm going to work stuff out in your life that there is no way you can work stuff out. I'm going to pay you to raise your kid. Wouldn't that be awesome today, right? (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome? God's like, I'm going to pay you to raise your kid. I know he's a handful. You're getting overtime. And I'm like, come on, God. You know, we're always having to pay. And this is the way it works with Moses because his parents feared the Lord more than anything else. God is working things in his life out. She says, yeah, I'm going to take care of this kid. And I love it. So the woman took him back and it said, when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. See, God does amazing things when we make ourselves at home with him. Matter of fact, he does things in our life that we couldn't write in our own stories or in our own life. And this is what God does, except listen what happened in Moses' life. It says, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out where his own people were and he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, glancing this way and that, seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and then hit him in the sand. It's amazing what fear does, isn't it? Moses comes out of the palace. He's dressed like an Egyptian. He walks like an Egyptian. I'm not going to say that one tomorrow. I'm just joking, right? You're like, yes, yes, he does. No, he grows up in Pharaoh's palace. And he comes out looking like an Egyptian, but he knows he's not an Egyptian. And he sees this oppression and he goes, that ain't right. And he steps in. The only problem is he looks at this stuff and he's afraid of what could happen. And he kills this guy and he buries him. And it says the next day he went out and he saw two Hebrews Hebrews fighting. And he asked one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid. And he thought, what I did must have become known. See, oftentimes we start a journey with God and we do different things and then we make some choices along the way that we regret. 
And a lot of times what happens is this, even when we begin to take these steps out, we begin to back up a little bit because we know we've made some wrong choices. And so listen what he begins to do. He says, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and he went to live in Midian where he sat down by a well. He runs. He runs from everything he knows. We got to ask ourselves, what does God do when we run? How does God react? Maybe you haven't killed somebody. We do have security here in case. No. What do we do? See, a lot of times we feel like I've got to own this stuff. And I've got to deal with it. And so we run. What you're going to find in God's story in Exodus is this, that we cannot outrun him. Verse 16, it says, Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. Isn't it fascinating that God in the midst of Moses' running would use him to rescue others. See, we've got to pick up on what God is doing. God is saying in the middle of your running, I'm not done with you. I have more for you. But will you stop and slow down and let me be at home in your life? It says in verse 18, when the girls returned to rule their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. Where is he? He asked his daughters. And why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. And what you're going to find in, in the story here in Exodus chapter 2 is here in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of Moses' running, before he's this great rescuer of uh, out of Egypt and the Israelite nation before all this other stuff's happening, he, was half, he had to force himself to sit down and to go, God, are you my home or am I going to live my life full of fear? Am I going to live my life full of faith or am I going to live full of fear? And if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down, that when we unpack our bags, regret is not the end with God. Moses was full of regret. He was on the run. For this summer, some of you, you're on the run. You made some decisions this year. Maybe not this year, but a long time ago, you made some decisions and you are on the run. And God is saying, you can't, you can't outrun me. You can't outrun me. Matter of fact, we're going to do something special on Father's Day. We're going to do a baptism weekend. And uh, we couldn't think of anything greater than on Father's Day than to celebrate the Father who sent Jesus to set us free. 
And in the story of Exodus, you're going to find how God sets the Israelite nation free. And we're going to invite people, for those of you who have never come home, for those of you who have never let God save you, we're going to say, hey, we want you to let him set you free. Matter of fact, we've got baptism classes after service today, tomorrow, Wednesday. You don't need to sign up. But if you're wrestling with this idea going, man, I'm just not at home. My, my, my heart is not at home. I, I want to invite you to one of these because God is saying, I am calling you home. I was so excited to see Seth get baptized tonight. Uh, what was so cool about seeing Seth get baptized in our service was this. I've stalked him for a while through Twitter. And uh, no, 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 you're like, really? No, 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 we have mutual friends. And so I've known of him. But here's what is so cool. It's that his friends back in January invited him into a conversation about Jesus. And what he didn't know back in January when he started the Rooted series was that all along God was saying this to Seth. It's time to come home, man. It's time to come home. I want you to be free. I don't care what you're running from. I don't care what regret you have. I've come to rescue you and lead you home. This is the whole story of Exodus. This is the whole story of the world that God has entered into the world and he is calling all of us back to himself. Listen how this chapter ends in verse 23. Verse 23 of chapter 2, it said, during that long period, the king of Egypt died. The oppressor died but our God didn't. It said the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out and their cry for help because of the slavery went up to God and God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Here's the good news that we're gonna find out about our God. He hears our cries and he is concerned with us. Here's what happens when we begin to unpack our bags. Sometimes we wonder and we worry, boy, if I really get honest with God, will he want to stick around? Because I don't even want to stick around myself. I know what I've done. I don't even want to be around me. Would God even want to be around me? Here's the beautiful thing about God. He says our happy place isn't a place. It's a person. God's going, I don't need you to run. I don't need you to create another life. I don't need you to free yourself. You know what I need you to do? Simply let me be your home. See, Moses... Oh, we read about all the great things he did in the rest of the book of Exodus. We read about how God used him to part the Red Sea. We read about the Ten Commandments. We're going to unpack all that stuff. But what we have to understand is this. God had to get him to unpack his bags first. This summer, God wants to take you on a road trip. Well, what bags do you need to unpack? Not so God can discipline you, but so that God can love you and set you free. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the story.
God, for a lot of us, even for me, God, as I was reading this over the past couple weeks, I was shocked by how much I had either forgotten or just never picked up on the first time. Father, I'm shocked by how much regret and remorse Moses had through this. And Lord, even though we're here at church today, I, Father, I think we would probably be shocked if we were open and honest with one another about how much regret we carry. And so today, Lord, I pray, as we begin a new journey, as we begin a new season over the next couple weeks, God, I pray that we would allow you to be our home. That, God, we would allow you to rearrange the places and the things in our hearts so that, Father, you can get glory in every single thing of our life. Jesus, we love you. Be at home in our lives this week. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you next week.